As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Andy. Just a little addendum to today's show. Ari and I recorded on Sunday afternoon, and there's a little more coordinator swapping after that. Kevin Steele the Miami defensive coordinator, hired by Alabama as its defensive coordinator. So Alabama, now with a full set of coordinators. Miami, without coordinators. Notre Dame, in need of an offensive coordinator. And it's interesting because we'll get into this with Ari in the Tommy Reese conversation, but I had mentioned how it was unusual that Nick Saban didn't have people waiting in the wings. This is a case of Nick Saban hiring somebody who has been through the system before. If you recall, Kevin Steele was fired as Clemson's defensive coordinator following that Orange Bowl against West Virginia. He went and became an analyst at Alabama. He then became the defensive coordinator at LSU. Defensive coordinator at Auburn was very good in both those roles. It was interesting because when he got fired by Clemson, it was because he was having difficulty defending the up-tempo offenses. At LSU and Auburn, he actually became one of the better coordinators at doing that. So uh, Miami obviously had their issues last year. I'm not sure if that's a case of a talent issue or a coaching issue. Uh, we'll probably find out. I, I would guess that Kevin Steele does fairly well at Alabama because when he was dealing with good talent at LSU and good talent at Auburn, he put some good defenses on the field. I mean, I think giving him the the raw materials to work with at Alabama should produce a fairly successful result. But it's just interesting because I had mentioned with the offensive coordinator, it didn't feel like there was anybody waiting in the wings for Nick Saban. Obviously, there was the scuttlebutt about Nick Saban wanting to hire Jeremy Pruitt. It just wasn't going to be possible because Jeremy Pruitt has the notice of allegations hanging over his head. There has not been a committee on infractions meeting about Jeremy Pruitt's time at Tennessee. There's no telling what any penalties would be for Jeremy Pruitt. And also there may be the old double secret probation thing that the SEC will never admit to, but we know they sometimes do. So Kevin Steele winds up becoming the defensive coordinator, coordinator at Alabama, and I I like the hire. I do. Now, the, the Tommy Reese thing is, is more interesting, and Ari and I will get into that in the show. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Happy return from the weekend. Ari Wasserman, we have not talked in a while 
some big things have happened since then. None bigger than this statement by one Kirk Big Daddy Ferentz. Uh, as I stand here today, you know, I anticipate no changes in our staff moving forward. Uh, that's my plan, certainly. Uh, I think we do have a terrific staff, and I thought they did a great job last year in tough circumstances and uh, you know, navigated us through, I think, some big challenges. I thought our guys really coached at a high level. Victory! You know, Andy, it's just like we thought that we would have to come up with new material next year. Nope. And nope. <laughs> We'll just, we'll just play the hits, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, that statement, I just wish I I could have been That's in the room. That's a very sly way of saying the players stunk, but the coaches were okay. Yeah, I was going to say, what were the tough circumstances? But I want to know, like, what happened to Scott's body when that happened? <laughs> Poor Scott Docterman. Scott I'm trying Docterman. to think. Like, what are the, yeah. the physical bodily results that could come from that? Well, here's the thing. As, a, as the beat writer... You're tired of answering the same question over and over. And yes, Scott is going to get that question. Why, why is Brian Ferentz still the offensive coordinator? He's going to get it over and over and over again. But he is going to have a gold mine of material again. Because it's going to be the same scheme. And I'm not sure I believe Kirk when he says the players stunk. Because whatever Kirk said, claims he meant, he meant he said the players stunk. Right. He just said the players on offense stunk. I'm not saying that. I think the coaching probably stunk and the players were probably okay. But he said the players stunk. Yeah, but even if the players stunk, uh, the level in which Iowa's offense was bad transcended just poor personnel. Right. Because even if you have poor personnel for Iowa standard, like some of the teams that they struggled with to score any points at all, I mean, I feel like it's unequivocally the coaching. So, um, you know, I'm very curious to see if there's anything that can be done to make it more potent. I want to maybe potent isn't the right word, but more functional or less well, there, dysfunctional. There's somewhere, there's somewhere between impotent and potent. But seriously, there is this is the problem here. There, there has to be something better. But I'm curious about this. I to me, what made Iowa's offense and his struggles so fascinating last year was was the fact that Iowa's defense was so good. Now, they lose some really good players on that defense. Phil Parker's still there, obviously, so it, he seems to put a good defense on the field every year. But is it is it possible for the defense to be that dominant again if the offense is that bad? Because, I mean, overcoming an offense that bad to have a defense that good is an incredible feat. They've already beaten the odds in frequency in which they scored, right? Right. So when you say, can you do it again? I mean, I think that every time Iowa scored a touchdown defensively on the second half of the season, mm -hmm. I was like, this is already beating the odds of what should occur. Cause I don't care how good your defense is scoring touchdowns is something that happens um, by happenstance. A lot of the times, like you can't control or, or your defense scores them in, in the case of Iowa. No, but I'm saying like yeah. Iowa's defensive touchdowns, like, I don't know if the hallmark of the best defenses in college football history all are they score a lot of touchdowns. No, no, you know, like, no. So I think, right. like, the, the fact yeah. that they scored a lot of touchdowns was obviously in part because they were a very good defense, but also in part because of circumstance and luck. You know, the same way that, you, you know, you can't predict a big player or a broken coverage on offense, you certainly can't count on defense scoring. So, you know, if they – I think they scored more touchdowns on defense than the entire receiver room combined – and it's just like, I don't know if it's even possible for that to happen again.
you know, and that's what makes it the hardest thing about Iowa last year is that if they had even a semi-competent offensive scheme, the team would have played in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I, and I know I know people get sick. Well, some people get sick of us talking about Iowa and, and the others that just enjoy the hell out of it. But that was the part that made it, it so interesting to me. I, and if the defense is just average and the offense is the same as it was, I'm not sure you're going to get as much Iowa content next year. It's 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 the the difference. It's the dichotomy that that makes it. If they didn't stink, then they stink. Yeah, right. Um, the thing that I have an interesting thought of is Kirk Ferentz is the longest tenured head coach in college football, right? He is. Yes. This almost seemed to me, and tell me if I'm talking out of school here, but as a consumer, I don't cover Iowa. Scott knows all more a lot this more about this than I do. But I can't imagine that Kirk Ferentz is going to be the coach there for another decade, right? I mean, no. maybe, but my thought would be that he wouldn't be. So this might be the, I'm going to stick with my kid and I'm going to go down with my kid and this is going to be the end, or we're going to fight through it and I'm going to be a genius again. And no matter what it is, like his legacy and what he's done for Iowa is not going to change. Mm -hmm. And another 10-win season buys him five more years of this if he wants. Now, Nick, Nick Mace in the chat, good question. Any reason to think Cade McNamara will help the offense? He certainly might. He certainly might. But here's the thing. If I'm a good receiver, I don't want to play in that offense. So you, you've had how many years of, of receivers seeing this and either leaving, a la Charlie Jones, or just not coming, a la the people they were recruiting, and you wind up in a situation where you don't have that much. Now, the tight end room at Iowa always seems to be stocked, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I have no reason to believe it won't be. But... I don't know, you know, Cade McNamara has got to have a better offensive line in front of him. That, that, that's that been one of their biggest problems. Even a couple of years ago when they had Tyler Linderbaum, who was the best center in college football, the, the other four around him weren't great. I wonder if Cade McNamara went to Iowa understanding the score or if he was taken back by this. I think he went there understanding. He he didn't seem to have any doubts in his mind. And and Kirk Ferentz, for for the critiques we give him on this show does not strike me as someone who's going to mislead somebody on that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even just misled, just like, kind of like we're going to work through it and give the same answer that he gave to Doug, which is I have a policy of, of doing it only in the off season staff changes have always occurred in the off season. We haven't made all of our decisions yet. Um, and you know, we'll go, you know, week by week and we'll figure out what we want to do. And, you know, you can come and, but there's no guarantee either way. You know, that's not dishonest. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I wonder if he gave it any thought at all, Andy. Like, and it doesn't seem like he did. So Chris Callahan says, when of the Iowa boosters put pressure on Kirk like you'd see in an SEC school? It doesn't work that way at Iowa because Kirk's contract is so big. There's nothing they can do. This is very similar to the Texas A&M Jimbo situation. The numbers aren't as big, but the they may as well be. It, it's the same thing. It's a... It's a number that is unmanageable that you're not. It's about touch. percentage of what you bring in and what you can afford and what is owed. That's important, not the number. Right. Right. I mean, look, but I was in the Big Ten. All Big Ten schools are rich. But Kirk Ferentz's contract runs through 2031. It's not, it's not really any different than Jimbo Fisher. Right. So... It's I mean, the one thing we will say, though, and we said this when we were speculating about it, Iowa has become much watch football now. 
So for better or worse, yep. you know, it's kind of like watching true crime documentary. You're not glorifying what happened, but you're genuinely interested in what's going on. You know, it's just exactly it's uh, it's going to be something that we hopefully get together for, uh, you know, in six or seven months. So it has been a hell of a week for for Doctorman. I mean, he's got that. He had the boys and girls club incident with the, the men's mm-hmm. basketball. That was fantastic, by the way, the way Iowa handled that. It, we, we criticized the Iowa athletic department plenty here. So let's let's give them their props for this one. So here's what happened. The Illinois uh, student section, the Orange Crush, decided to buy a block of tickets for the Illinois at Iowa basketball game this weekend, this past weekend. And that'd be fine, but you can't do it in your own name because they're just not going to sell them to you. And – if you do a false name, that's probably not a good thing either, especially if the false name is the name of a charity. So they bought them at a group discount saying they were buying for the Boys and Girls Club. Well, that's a you can't do that. Like, that's not cool. So Iowa's athletic department finds out, voids the tickets. They then give the tickets to the Cedar, Cedar Rapids Boys and Girls Club and then bring them out on the court during the game. That was outstanding. So yeah. You got that. Dr. Man was covering Caitlin Clark, dropping 42, I think, on Maryland. Have you watched her play? I have. I've seen her highlights. She's, She's so insane. freaking swaggy. I know. <laughs> it's incredible. She just pulls up from half court and drains it, too, doesn't oh, it's, she? It's yeah. unreal. She's like 30-footer, don't care. Is she, so, like, the best college basketball player there is? Right now, yes. Men's or women's? I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, I, I'll be honest. fun to watch. I watched some college basketball on Saturday as I kind of sorted through my feelings I, of what I, I do without football. <laughs> I watched a bunch of it too. It is like, and listen, if you like college basketball, all the power to you. I find it incredibly hard to watch. Just because they, they the miss, players aren't as good as the they're NBA. They're not very, just, it's, there's, it's sloppy. There's crappy turnovers. The officiating's terrible. Nobody can knock down a shot. There isn't a ton of high athleticism plays that you get in the NBA and, you know, I'm not saying that it has to be the best version. Like, I like watching college football better than the NFL, even though the NFL players are, are more are, skillful. Right. Than but I just think it's a bad product. I I don't know. With, with football, college to NFL, sometimes I feel like the NFL players are almost too good. Like, the, the defensive players are so big and so fast that it, it so limits what you can do offensively. And I've also heard people teams. criticize the NBA that way, where they're like, well, these guys are so good and they make most of their shots and they play offense and defense so soundly that it's not as entertaining. And maybe some people like the college basketball equivalent of grab ass. I just don't find myself, you know, balls off of the knee and turnovers and dribbling it uh, off your leg and all. I just, it's, I don't find that to be entertaining. So I I think of the leagues, like the big 12 is probably the most fun to watch in conference play because it is every, all the teams are fairly, this is, this is actually what I, what I keep telling you what what big 12 football is going to be. The difference is in, in this case, these teams are all kind of at the top. Of, of the country like I forget where the lowest one is ranked in the net but I think Oklahoma was the lowest ranked team they had in the net and they just beat Alabama so like it's it's not Alabama's night rolling for, tide in basketball apparently right Alabama's been very good yeah so but I watched the Florida basketball game last night for no oh, no particular yeah, yeah. reason about that the Florida Kentucky one yeah and, and Florida is not great this year either Florida had nine points with seven minutes left in the first half and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> they played a 54-52 game against Texas A&M not long ago. So there you they, go. They just beat somebody really good too. So they were like, they beat Tennessee last as... week. They beat Tennessee last week and went up like nine spots in the net. So it, it is, it is amazing 
you know, when you drop into college basketball and, and, you know, guys just wait for the, the, when you get to the tournament and you get dropped in. Cause most of you probably haven't been watching at all. So. And I guess that's a- when it's fun. Like the, the drama that comes from the NCAA tournament is what makes yeah. college basketball more fun. I just don't know how people watch this game in February and January. Well, I, I think it's going to get better as it gets closer to the, to tournament. Cause remember you've got young players, You've got they transfer more than college football players. So do they? Team, oh yeah, these teams don't. Well, I mean, percentage wise, there's only 13 roster spots. So the the teams don't even kind of fully form until February. So I'll be interested to see what what happens going forward. I, I've, My favorite pastime as a college basketball fan is uh, seeing a matchup of Florida and Kentucky um, on the television guide. And then mm-hmm. hitting it, and then seeing the records of both teams, and being like, Kentucky has ten losses or nine <laughs> losses. Like I, I was anticipating that being oh, they, the top they five were, team, like they always are, and it's like they stink yeah. now. Apparently, they don't stink. They they've actually had a nice last few last few weeks. They had they were very much struggling at the beginning of the SEC schedule. Like they lost to South Carolina, just sh- shockingly, um, but they got destroyed by Alabama, and then Dana O'Neill. Our Dana O'Neill at The Athletic wrote an incredible column comparing John Calipari to Jimbo Fisher. And if you haven't read that, go read it. Because like, I know everybody who listens to this show understands exactly what the deal is with Jimbo Fisher. I was shocked at the parallels. like Right down to an, like an, an unnamed coach who had played Kentucky this year going, he needs an offensive coordinator. Talking about Cal. It's funny, Andy, because like all these names come up. I couldn't even name the head coach of Indiana's basketball program right now. Like I used to cover the sport seven years ago, uh, you know, and went to every single Ohio state basketball game for two years, rode home at or home and away. No, no love for Mike Woodson who led the Hoosiers to a win against. Did you just look that up on Saturday? No, I knew that one. Okay. Yeah. It, is, it is, is a fairly important job is, uh, uh, in, the, in the college basketball world. Is Painter still the head coach at Purdue? Yes. So, like, I, I don't even know the coaches anymore. I've lost that much touch. I went it. to middle school with a guy named Matt Painter who looks nothing like the Purdue coach, Matt Painter, and it, every time it just bothers me. He does have that sick, slicked-haired look, you know? Yeah. I wish I could Well, you up. have to. You know, Gene Cady did, so you got to yeah, you gotta pay homage. Well, he had the he had the Just for Men thing going on, too, right? Gene Cady, yes, absolutely, yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, and, and they were athleisure now on the court, too. That's the thing the pandemic brought us. Like, coaches... Every coach dresses like Bob Huggins now. So, Andy, I got to say this. Yeah. Because I've thought about just for men a lot. Oh, uh, okay. Why? Because, like, Are I have you, white, I have white gray? hair. I have some grays okay. on my side. Okay. Not, I mean, I'm still, I'm still in okay. good shape, but women find salt and pepper very attractive. Correct. Especially if you've got black hair. And I feel like just for men is always like jet black. I don't know well, how that company stays point. in business because you're trying to improve something that women like you're trying to change something that women like, but, but some, everybody has their thing. Everybody has the thing about them that they hate that they would change. And there are guys who have grays and they want to get rid of them. And they think for some reason, somebody doesn't like them. And I agree with you. I think if you ask most women, they would say salt and pepper hair on a dark haired guy is, is an attractive thing. But I, there are guys that are like, nope, nope, can't do it. Can't, can't admit I'm getting old. I'm telling you right now, because I've got more grays than I'd like to uh, admit coming in now. But I'm just going to go great. Like, I'm going to let it go. 
there there's not going to be any dying it's it's not worth it yeah also too like you'd be a very handsome salt and pepper kind of guy you gotta well, get I'm the salt glad... and pepper beard going you gotta do that like uh who's the dude no. for, uh i uh, can't mine would come in in like 17 different colors you gotta also, let it, it you gotta let it ride <laughs> nah, I, I'm good clean Andy. shaven. Yeah. I am good clean shaven. I'm going to stick with that. All right, we have a Sounds great like a question. Bet. We that's it. Oh, <laughs> there we go. So we got a great question from Matthew C. Did Nick Saban just hire his Brian Schottenheimer? We are going to answer that question when we come back. Be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back. So the other big news over the weekend, well, late late last week over the weekend, Tommy Rees, your new offensive coordinator at, at Alabama, former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, former Notre Dame quarterback. He is now the Crimson Tide offensive coordinator after Nick Saban. He talked to quite a few people. It sounds like the, they looked at Jeff Levy from Oklahoma, Ryan Grubb from Washington, Joe Moorhead, who's the, the head coach at Akron now, but he's been the OC at, at Penn State and Oregon and also the head coach at Mississippi State. This is an interesting one, Ari, because, you know, I, I it's I guess after Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley moved, like we should never be surprised at moves like this. But this feels like one that. If you got the OC job at Notre Dame, you probably don't. I, I, I would assume you don't leave to your head coach, but this is a move in parallel. So the thing about being the offensive coordinator and the reason why I was kind of surprised when Grubb didn't leave Washington is that if you are the offensive coordinator at Alabama, it is like turbocharging your path to being a head coach, right? Yes. Like if you, it's like, it's like if that's what your path is or your goal is as a coach, and you get offered the job to be Alabama's defensive or offensive coordinator, I feel like that's almost as close to being a head coach as you could possibly get because people love hiring off the Saban tree or they love hiring people who have worked for Saban. And of course, the results, in my opinion, are probably easier to get there than at other places. Is that a fair mm -hmm. statement? It, it Well, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, not a great run. Pete Golding has moved on to Ole Miss, which is not even a parallel move, so that we can read between the lines on that one. Um, Jeremy Pruitt flamed out at at Tennessee. Tosh Lapoy, now he's at Oregon now, but he had to go to the NFL and take a position coaching job. So it, Kirby Smart's the last one, and yeah, I mean, he might be the best coach. But people are surprised right now, that Reese took this job because he played at Notre Dame, right? Right, but I do agree with you. Offensive offensive coordinator, look at let's let's just go through the list, okay? Bill O'Brien became the the OC of the New England Patriots. That is a an upward move, and also Bill O'Brien had come off an NFL head coaching job, so that's that's an upward move. Steve Sarkeesian became the head coach of Texas. 
Mike Loxley became the head coach at Maryland. Brian Dable became the OC of the Buffalo Bills, and he's now the head coach of the New York Giants. Lane Kiffin became a head coach at FAU. He's now the head coach at Ole Miss. So it does get you where you want to go. I'm not a golf expert, but sometimes I wonder, like, if you go back and you watch Jack Nicklaus play Mm -hmm. and how good he was back then, like how good he would have been if his prime was with the clubs now and the technology now and the range finders and all the stuff that people have at their disposal, disposal swing coaches, like data Mm -hmm. analysis that you can do to take a picture of your swing, all that stuff. And sometimes I wonder if being the head coach at Alabama and the player, or sorry, the offensive coordinator at Alabama with the players that they have offensively Mm -hmm. is like the equivalent of giving Jack Nicklaus a brand new titleist club. I think that's probably a good, a a good analogy. You do work with better raw materials. You do work with better equipment. If uh, for, for to mess up the Alabama offense, you just have to be completely and utterly incompetent, right? Well, the other thing is the Alabama offense, and this is actually where, the search became kind of interesting and why it took so long, because this is the first time in a while that they haven't really had somebody just kind of waiting in the wings from, from the family, from the, either the Saban tree or the Belichick tree. Cause the Belichick tree, remember is essentially the Saban tree too. And they, they kind of, you can, you can mix and match in there. And so this time they didn't have anybody. Ironically, if let's say Todd Munkin were to leave Georgia then Kirby can just pull up Mike Bobo. Like he doesn't have to have a search. He could, if he wants to, but he could, he just pull up Mike Bobo if Bunkin leaves. So this was a weird spot for Nick Saban, but the, the Alabama offense, such as it is like, it is not somebody's offense. It's not Jim McElwain's offense, Doug Nussmeyer's offense, Lane Kiffin's offense, Steve Sarkeesian's offense, Brian Dable's offense, Bill O'Brien's offense, Mike Loxley's offense. It's not any of their offenses. It is a large playbook that each one added some stuff to. And they can, the, the new person, Tommy Rees, can pull from. Now, he can call whatever flavor of that he wants. And, and the expectation from Nick Saban will be to, to form it around the players you have. And you know, I, I wonder, because I, I think that's what took so long. But I still think that might be the best way to do it. Yes. I mean, I think that promoting with from within, even though it's worked for some coaches very well, I mean, I think Dabo Sweeney's probably the gold standard of that. Um, Except he fired the guy he promoted from within. No, I know, but his entire career at Clemson has been oh, yeah. promoting from within. And no, he been, went, no, he got Chad Morris from, from outside. Doesn't he pr- promote from within more than any coach in college football the last seven years? Probably I thought his but, whole main tenet of his philosophy was rewarding people who worked under him. Well, it, but but it hasn't always worked. That's it, what I'm they, saying. I think it's made, bad. They, they've made their biggest leaps when they brought somebody in from outside. I would say that their exception, they are the exception to a program that relies on it. I think that not having a search and trying to get the best candidate nationally um, to fill in a spot is is almost malpractice, you know, and. You know, I know that people get comfortable with people and people have to earn their stripes or, or move up the ladder. And I mean, I feel like if you left the athletic and they're like, well, we have to do an open search because we need to find more people who are gifted at column writing and they didn't promote other people in the company, that would be a hard pill to swallow, right? Like, I'm not trying to say that that's not important, but in college football, when you are the pinnacle, when you are the peak, yeah. uh, a top five program, 
you know, being the offensive coordinator there is more than working up to the ladder. I think that that's almost, you know, when you have the resources and the money and the ability to hire anybody in college football, then Alabama and programs on that playing field have a responsibility to their fans and, and to the, to the program to bet, to go vet the entire country and actually hire the best possible candidate. And if that's promoting from within after that search, then that's great. But yeah. if it's not, then they, they owe it to themselves to get the best player. Am I crazy? They didn't, they didn't have anybody in the analyst stable. The, the thing about the analyst stable is it's not necessarily somebody who's been in your program the entire time, like at Alabama. Those are people who've been other places. Like Saban grabs them as analysts so they can bring new ideas to Alabama. Right. For the same reasons that you're talking about. It's interesting because Saban, he, he always told me that the thing that made him the maddest about the Nick Saban rule, you know, the one where they pulled the head coaches off the road in May, is that he didn't get to meet any assistant coaches anymore who didn't work for him already. Right. And that's how he kind of made his list. You know, every coach has their list of if somebody leaves, here's who I want to replace them. And it's made it harder for for him and other head coaches to keep a list like that. And that's what's made Nick Saban so brilliant, his ability to spot outside talent, right? And to talk to people and to make relationships and to understand here's what's lacking within our program. And we need somebody to come in and, and enhance it. And in order to do so, you have to have those relationships and the understanding of the climate around you. So... Yeah, I, I could see that. I think that, you know, people get mad at me for bringing up Ohio State too much, but I feel like that's a program that's in decline right now as a result of too much promoting within. Well, Dwight Lewis says, I think Bama had a hard time choosing OC because Saban was looking for an OC with an old school, balanced, pro style offensive philosophy. This kind of OC is a little rare today. Dwight, I don't think you've been watching much Alabama offense the last five years. Like, that's not what they do. <laughs> they, you know, they, they do the RPO stuff. I mean, now there are pro like the eat. You're gonna watch the Eagles do it in the Super Bowl, but and when. Alabama, yeah, <laughs> Alabama's been high tempo, spread it out. You know, they. But the thing is, what makes them interesting is they can do all that other stuff. And so, if you're an offensive coordinator, you have to come in and learn all of the stuff they do, and what they call it, and you got to call it what they call it. But again, you can call whatever flavor of that you want. So, well, I want to ask you something, Andy, because the Hog fan, who I love very much, mm-hmm. uh, said in the in, in the comments, is Alabama going back to a less passing heavy and a finesse offense? I want to discuss the word finesse uh, because it's something that I think is used quite a bit now. Yeah. Um, and I want to know what you think that means. Does that mean like can't run very well and throws it a lot? Can't, can't get, yeah, I can't, can't get, get three yards yard. when you need it on the ground, I guess. And like, I don't know that Alabama is he saying that are they going back? I mean, Alabama, to- Alabama had one year of not a great offensive line and not a like they had a really good back in Jameer Gibbs. I, I mean, I, I don't, I would say that their weakness last year was the passing about their game, offense. right? If anything, yeah. the weakness was the passing game. Um, yes, and, like, I don't have know, receivers like, who could separate. If Milrose the starter, I think that would be the exact opposite of what I would view finesse. Yeah, if if Milrose the starter, they're going to look more like they look with Blake Sims at quarterback. That's that's the the more accurate parallel. Because even Jalen's freshman year, and I think it, it's interesting because we were talking about Jalen and and how has he's evolved as a passer. I remember covering his first game of his freshman year. This is the one they started Blake Barnett against USC and Jerry World, and then 
Jalen comes in and he never lets go of the job. He threw great deep balls early in his freshman year at Alabama. Right. It feels like his his passing sort of devolved over over a couple of years. And and you get to the you know the national title game against Clemson his second year, where you get to, you know, the the or not sorry, that was his freshman year. You get to the national title game against Georgia where he gets benched and it just looks you know when quarterbacks seem to regress, even if it's a little bit as a passer, it tends to be the quarterbacks that run uh designed play calls or designed yeah. runs more. Is that yeah. a do you think there's a parallel between those two things? I guess, but you know, like why would anybody regress as a passer? We're talking like, about Jalen as as the Eagles quarterback, and he he runs design runs for them all the time. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't know. I'm just trying to understand what occurs in that moment. Like, I mean, uh it happened with Keaton Slovis too, right? And he didn't run all that much, but like certain mm-hmm. guys that Slovis had an injury that that, that changed like, his mechanics. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, JT yeah. Barrett forgot to throw his last two years. He was never a great thrower, though. but it, it got way worse. It I did. Mean, if you, go, if right. you go look at his his first year as a freshman and some of the the Michigan State game his freshman year, and then you go look at some of the games he had in his junior year, and it's like, was it because he was running the ball twenty five times a game? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I do wonder. Or defenses just got got wise to what he liked and didn't like, and and because Tebow Tebow like. ran a ton and he improved as a passer over his career, right? Yeah, but a lot of that's the people around him, and and you know he did play I think, with the best uh, player in college football history. So Percy, Percy Harvin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you want to talk about who the most important player on those teams was? I think Percy was. The am answer. I am I out of line by saying he's the best college football player of all time? Uh, yes, I think, I think we should we do a random about... ranking of something serious like that. One yeah. day. Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, who could that's, fit that. That's the hardest of the Cam days. Newton, Cam Newton's 2010 year might be the most dominant year I've ever seen anybody have. Um, uh, is about arrows. Like I didn't watch Bo Jackson like consciously. Yeah. I was too young, so I don't remember it, but, um, yeah. you know, Percy Harvin was so special. Okay. Oh. Uh, Anthony in the chat asked a great question. This is the next logical question. We were going to get to this. Who do you guys think Notre Dame hires as OC? So there's, there's a few options here and, and you haven't looked uh, Pete Sampson and Matt Fortuna at the athletic have a, a really good list. And I think, I think the person is going to come from that list. So let's, let's talk about some of these guys. Um, you know, I think the, Joe Moorhead was a name that his name has come up in all these because he's the Akron coach. And at this point you can, you know, you can put him in, in these ones for Miami for, you know, he talked, talked a little bit to Alabama because we talked about this with Sean Lewis who left Kent state as the head coach to become Colorado's OC. I think you're closer to being a head coach as the Notre Dame, like a, a power five head coach again, as the Notre Dame OC than as the Akron head coach. I think that that was already proven by one of his colleagues. Yep. So I think, I think that's one. Uh, Gerard Parker, Notre Dame tight ends coach came with Marcus Freeman. You could just move him up. Everybody knows him. I think that's a, that's a very distinct possibility right there. Yeah. I saw Brandon Streeter's name on that list too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's going to happen. Maybe uh, Josh Gaddis's name is not Paul Christ was an interesting name that they put on that list. And I, I am like, somebody's going to hire Paul Christ as an OC, right? Um, 
Yeah, I guess. At some point. Now, he's he's living that buyout life, so it's got to be a pretty good gig, I would think. But He got $11 million, didn't he? Yeah, I would think. I would think that Paul Christ would be an effective OC somewhere. I mean, Notre Dame does seem like if he's going to be an assistant somewhere, a very good cultural fit for him too. Yes, yes. And here's another one it would be a good cultural fit for. And this one's very interesting that they put this name on this list. And I read it and I was like, ooh, this, this, could, be, this could be very interesting. Warren Ruggiero, the Wake Forest OC. Ari, who's the new quarterback at Notre Dame? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam, Sam Hartman. Hartman. Sorry. Name Speaking of which, Sam Hartman put out a video shortly after the Tommy Reese news broke. Uh, I will play it for you now. If you, uh, if you are listening to the audio version of the podcast, uh, there's no sound. But it is, it is Sam Hartman doing deadlifts. And you know when a quarterback does deadlifts, he is deadly serious. So he's in in the Notre Dame training center. He's in his Notre Dame gear. There's a little Notre Dame watermark on the video. This is this is some serious business here. Sam Hartman is going to get it done for Notre Dame. What if his OC came from Wake Forest to help him do it? Was a slow mesh coming to South Bend or what? Don't do it. <laughs> I don't think so. But yes, do it. Do it. I'd watch do it. Matthew Freeman. <laughs> do we have the video? I wanted to see it. I've never seen it. I, I I just played it. Uh, I actually oh. think I actually think that part of the reason Sam Hartman is in, in South Bend now is he would like to show what he can do outside of that Wake Forest offense. So I, I don't know that he wants necessarily that offense. Plus, when you have that level of offensive linemen that you have, you don't need to do that. Notre Dame yeah. has very good offensive linemen. They do very good. So yeah. that that could be. I wonder if they have a receiver. Well, that's the question. Now, I listen, that offense looked a lot more interesting in the Gator Bowl. Tyler Buckner did a good job with it in that game against South Carolina. So it's not they're not incapable. Yeah. I mean, I think Notre Dame has been one of the most consistent programs in the last decade. And the one thing that I think they've struggled with is having uh, elite skill position players to match up with the big dogs when they play them. Um, you know, and I don't know, like, who was the best receiver at Notre Dame in the last 10 years? Am I forgetting somebody remarkable? Um, I can't even think of, of anybody that's really... The guy from Canada who, he's big, he plays for the Steelers, what, or played for the Steelers. Why am I blinking on, on names? Chase Claypool? Chase Claypool, thank you. Yeah, he was pretty good. Mapletron. So. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see what, what they have out there, but I feel like Notre Dame is like five five star prospects, uh, two or three skill position players on offense, and two dynamic, um, one dynamic defensive lineman and one dynamic corner and safety away from being legitimately awesome. And I just feel like Marcus Freeman is is trying to to get those guys in. Um, and that's why the Peyton Bowen thing was so tough for them. But um, you know. They're good. They've got the they've got the linemen. They mm-hmm. they win 10, 11 games with average skill talent. You know, I feel like they they're not that far off from being really, really legitimately well. That, scary and that's to Alabama, good. Yeah, Notre Dame's issue's been depth. And here's what makes it interesting. And I, I did this this question in my mailbag. Uh, Brian from Buford, Georgia, probably the the best question asker 
we have among the commentary other than uh well he might he might have the most creative questions he, he just might so he had a question two years ago about if if you meet a genie and he says you can wave a wand and it will guarantee your team one national title over the last over the next 20 years how many programs should do that and how many should say don't bother we'll we'll win more than one on our own all and it was four. a it was a real short list it was what was, was your big, answer yeah. Uh, back then, it was Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia, and then maybe Oklahoma. That was the list. I, the new and then, so Brian asked the question again. Brian's a Georgia fan, by the way, and th this was pre-Georgia winning that first national title. And he was like, he, he's basically saying he and his brother were arguing about that. Which one should they choose? And I was like, don't don't wave the wand. You guys might win more than one. And now they won two, but. In a row. <laughs> his, his question was, with the new playoff coming in and with the way NIL is affecting recruiting and everything, do you change that list? And I said, yeah, you change that list. Because I don't think Notre Dame should wave the wand. Like, they might be able to build their depth. You don't think that Notre Dame would wave the wand? I think they would wave it in a second. To get one national title? In the next 20 years, yes. I think they should roll the dice and try for more. I would wave the wand. If I, I, said, I said Notre Dame. I said Oklahoma's no longer on the maybe list. Like they might be able to do it. It's all of talent acquisition. Notre Dame does have to get deeper. Marcus Freeman does have to do a good job recruiting, but these things are cyclical. So their, their time might be coming. And these are programs that, that could do that. These are programs that have demonstrated over the years that they can recruit. I like think there's them. only four programs that shouldn't wave the wand. Oh, I think there, I think there's more that, that shouldn't wave the wand now. No, I disagree. I I, I okay. think it's going to be harder to win a national championship now. If you say so, but it'll be it'll be cool. I'm I'm just like I want to know what team that's not in this select club of four or five teams is going to win the next national championship. That's another question I have for you. Like if you would if somebody uh, asked LSU. you LSU, LSU, so a top five easiest place to recruit in America. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you have LSU on your list? It should be. Of teams that don't need to wave it the wand. It might be five. No, no. But LSU, LSU. LSU LSU more than any other other than Alabama, I guess, should not wave the wand. LSU has won three national titles since 2003. Yeah. I think that LSU could be in that list and maybe make it five. LSU should be on the list. Because LSU's list. entire national championships of the, of the playoff era, their only playoff berth, came after they transferred in really good players. Yeah, you and know, they won the SEC West in Brian Kelly's first year. I'm guessing a couple good recruiting classes, and they can win another national title, which seems to be the how they go. Like once every four years, like they're playing for it. One of the teams that recruits one of the top three classes is almost a decade out from winning one. Like winning a national championship is really hard, and mm -hmm. I know that Alabama and Georgia has made it seem easy. Uh, but if I if you could win one in a 20-year period, I think I would take it at 99% of the places. You wouldn't do it at Ohio State, though, right? You wouldn't win one at Ohio State. I guess maybe not, but like they're they're in danger of, of going 15 years yeah, but without if only, one. If you only win one, it's the same thing as as if you wave the wand, I know, so you didn't lose anything zero. there. Like, I think that like if somebody said, Andy, you got to put your life at stake here, do you think Notre Dame's going to win a national championship in the next 20 years? You wouldn't bet yes, would you? Oh, I think there'd be a chance. It, would I would I bet my life on it? No, <laughs> no, I know. I always like to use that. I, but it's, I, it's I, my I, version I, of truth serum. Yeah, I do think there'd be a chance though, because here's the thing: if NIL does delete some depth from the Alabamas and the Georgias, 
And it's, it, we're not talking that's almost about, as, as important as being good yourself is making right. them less superpowery. Exactly. And that's, can we, can we agree? That's kind of what's happened to Alabama. I don't know. They just signed the most five-star prospects fault. in the history of, yeah, they signed those classes every year. Did, did they have special receivers this year? No, that was the one position group. Okay. They did. Yeah. Then the, okay. Then it's possible this could happen. In certain years. We're just not so. seeing the results of the recruiting rankings change. So I think the only thing is, do you think that the portal will change it? That's like, I do. I do. I think I think it's making the market more efficient. And it, where it hurts the superpowers is Drew Sanders doesn't stay at Alabama. Will there be... Like, what, a, if, what, if, what if one of those great pass rushers had gotten hurt this year, you know this year and they just had drew sanders to plug in like Would that's what they yeah. used that's what they used to have every time the question i have for you is and this the thing that we said about tcu before and after the national championship game on the taco bus with dan mm-hmm. that there are very good teams year in and year out that are just like tcu gritty tough teams that find ways to win in different ways go undefeated uh, or get to a point where they can make the playoff and they are just really good. This year's Michigan team, this year's TCU team, last year's Michigan team, last year's Cincinnati team. Will there ever be a point in time in the next 20 years in college football where there isn't a monster in the sport? Like where the where the end of the road TCU is playing a team more like Michigan and less like Georgia. I think the, I think the group at the top is going to get bigger. This, there will still be a wide separation between the group at the top and the next group. But I think they're going to add some more teams to the group at the top. So you think that the top one percent, or the three the three teams that stand hovering above above everybody yeah. else, which is the way it's been for the last. They're going to they're going to lose a few, which will bring them down. The other ones will will gain a couple, which will bring them up. So what what, what I'm talking about here are the ones that have been kind of right on the edge there. So we're I mean, talking if you just, about, but if you think about like the playoff this year, mm-hmm. the teams that. Two out of the four. Teams. Ari, I'm talking about this system has been in place for two years. No, I know. When it's no, been in place for, for seven or ten. I know, but we're not seven prospects off right now. We're talking about major roster reconstruction. Because it's like you could have took away five five-star prospects You just said what Notre Dame needed, okay? Yeah. If over the course of five years, Notre Dame gets five guys that Georgia... This is what happened to Alabama, by the way. Georgia got the guys they would have gotten. That's what happened. So Georgia is built like old Alabama, though. Right. With the guys that Alabama would have had. But I think, wasn't Alabama still the most talented team in college football this year? They were. Did they look like it on the field? Well, they they did not. Uh, they might have had they made the playoff, it, but they did It didn't. might just yeah. be, Ari, that if you're in the top five or six in the recruiting rankings, you're probably okay. Like, then it comes down to how you coach them. Or how you develop them, or how, or whether they stay, or whether they decide they want to transfer, like all of that matters. Well, the thing that that will fix college football for most fans would be is if you got rid of a team that had a thirty-five or forty-player blue chip advantage. Mm-hmm. Like that can't ha- Like if that exists, then they can't lose. And the reason why Georgia loses sometimes and Alabama loses sometimes and Ohio State loses sometimes on that stage in the playoff play is because they're playing each other. Right. So if there's a Ari, point in time, if you take four or five off of each of them 
and add four or five to the next group below. But I'm trying to tell you that they can all took, beat each other in the playoffs. If you took five, if you took seven five-star prospects off of Georgia's roster and placed them on TCU, I'm not saying they still... seven five-star prospects. I'm saying seven people who can play, seven people who are in the two deep. It's the depth that makes them. I know, invincible. but I'm trying to tell you that the difference between Georgia and TCU is far more than seven. I'm not talking about TCU. Who are you talking about? LSU, Michigan, Penn State, LSU, Auburn, Oklahoma. But it's, it's probably even more for those. It's not more. They have better players than TCU. No, no, I know. But I, I don't know that if you put seven blue chip players on Penn State's roster this year, they could beat Georgia. And took yet. them off. Yeah. I mean, you would. it's like uh, compound interest is what you're saying, where it happens year over year over That's year. That's what happened to Alabama. With Georgia. I don't know that I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I, I already laid it out in, in if, multiple columns. I told you which players it was. But uh, you can't say that that's what happened if Alabama was still more talented. Was Alabama more talented? Because according to the your precious 24-7 composite, they were. Wasn't Alabama number one? Yeah. Yeah. Were they more talented? Uh, would you Which which roster would you have rather had this year? Well, based Alabama's on what I have on raw material than probably Georgia of because course. of what I know and what I saw, I would have loved to see Alabama and Georgia play in a semifinal. So is it possible it a lot like the Ohio state game. That, that the recruiting ranking isn't the only piece of it that again, we establish a cut line and then what's above the cut line. But what we're talking about is welcoming the clear second tier. Ari, I know you're tier. convinced that no one else will ever be good except the people that are good now, but history tells us that that changes. And things go in cycles, and coaches retire, and coaches get fired, and yeah. things change. So, I promise you, some of the schools I said that should maybe not wave the wand are going to win some national titles. I wish we could do some long-term bets here on, on that. That would be fun. Well, we're going to be retired by the end of the 20-year period, so don't I'm worry. Not. <laughs> I will. So, <laughs> No, I know. It's just like it's hard to fathom. I'm not saying that it's not going to like Alabama isn't going to be. You Alabama. are a prisoner of the moment right now. The moment's been my entire adult life, though. Okay, I I was an adult when Mike Shula coached Alabama. Yeah, and people were like, "Why would anybody take that job?" That's I think Alabama that's stung. the craziest job to take. Those people are nuts. You're stupid if you take that job. That was the, le the legitimately what people said. That was a talking point. In columns, on TV shows, on the radio, right before Nick Saban took the Alabama just, job. You, you correct me if I'm wrong because I, I can see that you're fired up and I love that. We got fired up, Andy, today. What I think is happening in the sport right now, though, is a self-perpetuating thing that didn't exist, especially now because we have the data at our fingertips. Like in 2003 or 2004, when's the last time Alabama – what was the Shula arrow? 2004? 2003? 2006 was the last season. Okay. During that time, the draft picks weren't building like a snowball. The The momentum of these programs and who they are and what they have and what they've produced in the recruiting world is different. The way that recruiting works is different. The camps mm -hmm. that exist is different. Okay. Like everything that, that predicates so things the accumulation change, of talent. But they'll never change again is what no, you're saying. No, they can change again. Okay. I'm saying okay. it's hard to fathom. <laughs> It's hard to if, fathom if how it will. The, if only there had been some major structural changes in the rules of the sport, yeah. it could okay, force some big changes. Okay, maybe you're right. You're right. Okay. I don't know. I, 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 
Yeah. 20 it's years. Dawn- is- it's dawning on you that 20 years is a long time. 20 years is a long time, but it just Tell like, me what you were doing in 2003. Worse. Tell me what you were doing in 2003. I don't think you want to know what I was doing. Tell me what you were doing in 2003. Seeing good movies? <laughs> We've established that. Um, but I, I was working at Lids in the mall. There you go. Um, I had a friend that worked at the Dairy Queen at the booth. So this is, is, is Lids where your love of a fine resort hat started because you're like I don't want to wear the no new I used era to collect I used to collect the new era major league hats but I found myself enjoying snapbacks way more than I ever liked fitteds because fitteds mm-hmm. you know as you wear them they kind of you know wilt down a little bit and also your like, head gets bigger if you gain weight it gets yeah, smaller if you lose it's weight like you have in to the buy summer they're tighter than they are in the winter yeah. and it's yeah I like the snapback thing and uh, I I made a friend at the Dairy Queen that was next to us. And oh. all we had to do was like buy him one hat a month, and he would just like bring over like all the Dairy Queen leftovers and the chicken fingers and the. That's true. And it was a hell of a. It was a hell of a, a deal. <laughs> so I broke my iPhone, or sorry, I lost my iPhone on a Southwest flight. You remember this? I do. This and was not in two thousand three because this didn't this happened this happened a month ago. Okay. And Southwest, um, found my phone a month later. Oh wow. That's Which awesome. I guess it's a miracle. So I had an insurance plan. I replaced the phone, got a new one a few days after I lost it. And then a month later, I got my old phone back in the mail. You don't know this because I didn't know this, but one of the best places you can trade your phone in for money is GameStop. Did you know that? They buy uh, devices. I, I knew they bought all the video game devices. So no, they sense. buy like uh, okay. cell phones. So I went and the dude, there was a Domino's next to this GameStop. Mm-hmm. And the dude like brought over five pizzas like at 11 a.m. and goes, here you go. And I was like, this is the best co-tenant of all time. Like if I could go back in time and afford my current lifestyle working a retail job next to a Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and I could and I could make money uh, or, or make a deal and barter with the guy next door. I mean, that man life was life was great. So how much we need to we need to go through the college football staff of the athletic and figure out what retail what mall stores we all worked in. I Where did champ, you work? Champ champs? Sports. Oh, yep. yeah. It's Champ uh, Sports, Ari. It's not just Champs. Champs Sports. When you answer the phone, Champ Sports. Um, Yeah, Champ Sports, sorry, was right <laughs> next to my – and mine was Hat Club, which mm-hmm. they have in uh, in Phoenix. I just say lids so people don't get confused. Um, It's the same exact thing. You pay yep. 20 – a membership, you get 20% off, you know, the whole deal. And there's a bunch of stores in the Southwest. Um. And then there was a, a champs right next to it. Uh, champ sports next to yep. it. Yeah. I always felt like working at champ sports would have been a better job than my place. Cause like they had all the gym shorts and the shoes and yeah. the t-shirts. And like back then too, they used to sell like regular clothes, like jeans and stuff. Didn't they? No, that they did. They had a period where they did. That was not when I worked there. When I worked there, they still sold baseball gloves and stuff like that. So you, oh. like the, the wrestler earthquake, John Tenta, I sold his, him a baseball glove for his son. That's so. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I used to kill it, but you know, I used to, we used to have competitions, uh, at work where, you know, you have to like ask everybody, do you want a dollar? And I'll spray the hat like a scotch guard for your hat. And oh, I yeah. used to like not tell people that I was doing it and I would just like give them 20% off when they didn't have a membership and then add the spray under their hat. And I broke like spray records at my company. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing, like the add on stuff matters to those retail chains like yeah so so the kenny shoe corporation ran footlocker champs and one other 
one of their mall shoe store. And their thing was multiple sales. It didn't matter what it was, but you had to sell something else. Like they come in to buy a pair of shoes. You better get them to buy some socks or get them to buy this. And I was the, the spray. And I don't know how you were back then, but I was obsessed with my numbers. Shocking enough. I'm obsessed with them now. It hasn't changed. Um, but like, I don't know why I was a 16 year old kid and I wasn't making commissions. So I don't know why. I All I know is it. December 23rd, 1995. I sold more than any human being should sell on one day in the mall. What was I the, sold like 12 grand worth of stuff. <laughs> what date? December 23rd, 1995. People were buying some last minute gifts. Wow. And it was all because of your customer service, right? It, had nothing it was to do all because the they were freaking desperate. Yeah. Uh, but Jordans were a thing back then. And you guys always used to get the Jordans. Was that before they bought Foot Locker, Foot, Foot Locker bought them? Foot Locker and Champs were the same chain at that time. So yeah, were you wearing? The, so you were you wearing the ref outfit? No, we didn't have to wear the ref outfit. We had khaki pants and a, and and a solid color V-neck. polo. Oh, no, I thought solid, you had to wear that V neck with the that they that that was later. Okay, it was a really nice solid color polo with champ champ sports on the sleeve. Yeah. And so when I started there, it was in Orlando. So the the Air Penny, the the Penny Air Maxes were brand new, the black ones. And the Jordan 11 Concords had just come out, the, the white with the black patent leather, the first Jordan 11s. And so we saw like the last, the for my first day was the last pair of Jordan 11s went out the door. And then the black Jordan 11s came in, all black. And, and I don't think a customer ever got one of those. I think that still goes on. They have these raffles now. Uh, but there was a store, and I think it used to be a national chain called Field of Dreams. Have you ever heard oh, of Field yeah. of Dreams? Field of Dreams was like well, they the had autograph memorabilia store. Yeah, yeah but at, and the one in Arizona, they had all the memorabilia and stuff, but they also had a bunch of hats. They had jerseys. They had mm-hmm. shoes. Like It was like this cool sports store, and it was always my dream back then to either work there or EB Games. Do you remember EB Games? Oh, yeah, Electronics Boutique. Yeah, they used to. Yeah. They, the, that was the GameStop before GameStop took I wanted to money. work in one of the record stores, Sam Goody. Yeah, Sam Goody was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I call them records. And they like, I remember when they were record stores, like you walked in and it was records and then they had tapes and the tapes had the little security thing on them. So Kyrie Irving just got traded to the Mavericks. To the Mavericks. Yes. The city is buzzing right now. Dorian Finney Smith was one of the people he was traded for. Former Gator. Yeah. Somebody, I saw somebody like tweet, like, uh, they should trade him to Atlanta for Trey Young. I'm like, who's trading him for Trey Young? Are you crazy? Uh, and I don't know anything about the NBA, but Kyrie Irving's basically like torpedoed every team he's ever been on. So Spencer Dinwiddie is the other person, and some and some pick, a first rounder and multiple second rounders. And did you ever sell black on black Air Force Ones to crazy people? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you see, the, the, no. So the air more up tempo was out in in 96 early 96 and i had to sell those those are the ones they're the giant high tops they have uh and they just spell out the word air on them they're hideous they oh yeah now. they still have them now yeah do you uh um uh, yeah do you remember the move the the video store suncoast oh yeah i love suncoast because i would have wanted to work buy, at like, suncoast t- you could buy movie t-shirts and posters, posters and all that yeah. stuff yeah yep. god man those were the golden days well, now you can now you can just go on Amazon and get the movie. TV. No, I know, but like the vibe in that store is the same I vibe know, as you fantastic. got in Blockbuster. And yeah, when you're you'll a 16 never year old. You'll never understand what that feels like if you didn't yeah. experience it. Yeah, you'll never, and and we can't explain it to you because we're old. We were so right. so excited, like when you would go there, like on a Friday, and you had a buddy with you, and you guys were gonna have a sleepover when you're like 14, and you're gonna watch movies and order pizza and play video games. That was oh, peak yeah. life. Okay, all right, we got we got a random ranking to do. 
We this do. This is one that, that we started talking about the other day, and we figured we needed to save it for this. So I had a text story before we started recording to, to set up some ground rules because this is the five your five best states in which to reside. But the question was, is it is it part of that would-you-rather question of you're never allowed to leave this state or you're allowed to go other places on vacations or, you know, for work or wherever. And so Ari texted back. He said, you're allowed to go other places. So that, that makes the list a little different for me. Like if you had to pick where you could live and then you get all the, just like in real life, like you get all the advantages of living there, then climate, uh, proximity to places, all those things, um, you know, it's, it'd be just as like doing it that way. So I think that, if you were mad before about my take about how nothing's going to change um, that you can talk to me out of, I think that we're going to get fired up here. I'm going to get <laughs> fired up because I already know what's not your number one. And there's only one answer. Yeah. It's not so, even on my list. That's see, I feel like you're trolling people. I'm trolling you, but like you, but you don't actually believe that. So put them no, on the list. No, no. All the, believe. all the places in California that I'd like to live are too crowded. So no, you think living in Del Mar is too crowded. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right. Number five, Ari, for you. Um, this is a hard, it was really, really hard for me to pick out number five. Um, but I just felt like I'd have to do it because it would just be a dream. Mm-hmm. Hawaii. There you go. You know, this is completely isolated and uh, you can't go anywhere unless you get on a six hour airplane ride. Uh, but Hawaii would make my list just for the sake of like, I've seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I know what it would be like to live there. You know, it's paradise. You know, it's, you know, don't take life too seriously. And, you know, the thing that I want to know about your list, too, is like I didn't consider finances at all. So like some people might have done their list. of No, like, I mean, it's expensive. Before? It's expensive. If you want to live in the nice parts of all the states, I, I'm, I'm rich in these scenarios. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So. so like I'm not taking money like I live in Hawaii the right way, um, you know, and I think that it would probably be the least convenient place in the world to live <laughs> or in America to live in. But it has to be on a list somewhere. I, I agree. So five for me, and this is where I, I needed you to explain whether I could go somewhere else or, or okay. I'm there forever. Five for me is Utah. It's yeah. gorgeous in the winter and the summer. Mm-hmm. You can ski. You can do all the outdoor stuff in the in the summer. Spoken like a guy who just got back from Park City. That's true. And and that might be, I might be living Prisoner around. Prisoner of the moment. <laughs> yeah. I might, might be living in Park City or Kimball Junction or Heber City and yeah, we'll see. But you, you have the big city amenities not far away in, in Salt Lake City. You have a big, beautiful airport that, that you can go anywhere you need to go. Uh, easy flights to everywhere on the West Coast. So I, I just think I think it'd be a really nice place to live. You could get a pretty yeah. decent sized piece of land. You know, and I, again, I'm Salt Lake's expensive as hell. And so is Park City. Oh, yeah, but you can, you, you, yeah. But you, no, you don't have to live like I wouldn't live downtown Park City. Like you can live outside of there. And it's not that bad. But like I I didn't realize this till I went, but Park City is only like 40 minutes away from Salt Lake. That's the thing. It's it's a 35 minute drive if there's yeah. if there's not a snowstorm going on. Um, so it's a really convenient situation. Yeah, my wife's brother lives there and I love visiting. And that's actually a really good a good uh state. Yeah, Ma- Matthew C in the chat, Wasatch Brewery makes some good beer. Absolutely. Polygamy Porter, baby. Polygamy Porter Recall? Nitro is is spectacular. Wasatch Brewery. Well, I didn't hear the word you just oh, said. Oh, polygamy porter. Yeah. Their motto is bring some home to the wives. That's hilarious. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my number four is Arizona. Um, I live there. I grew up there. I'm partial to it. But I think you've got 
a beautiful weather nine or 10 months out of the year. Um, your winter is the summer there because it's so hot, which can be cured by a pool. It's uh, aesthetically beautiful. And every place on my list is aesthetically beautiful. Um, and you've got proximity to California. You got proximity to Las Vegas. You have outdoor activities. You've got hiking. You've got snow. You've got snowboarding. Um, and it's just a really pretty place to live. And I'm happy I grew up there. All righty. My number four is Hawaii. Uh, I have lived on an island before when I was a kid. We lived in Key Largo for four years. That's so uh, that badass. It's a, a very different island life than Hawaii, for sure, because you can just drive to the mainland and, and then you're in a huge city uh, that is Miami. But I could I could live on an island. I could absolutely live on an island and be cool with that and not go to the mainland, but every once in a while and take the six hour flight. How and long of a drive is Key Largo to Miami? Is it like an hour? It's about an hour. It's not that well. It's it, to get to Homestead. It's probably like forty five minutes. And then you keep driving up to to Miami. Uh, but it's your it's, childhood was Bloodline in my head. Oh, seen the show Bloodline got so much right about the keys. So much. It did. Yeah. Oh, and it, it sort of went off the rails. Well, yeah, season, the last season was uh, well. Season three was horrible. Season two was off the rails too. But like season one, when you had Coach Taylor just sweating through everything coach taylor like, yeah he nailed they nailed it like and then that that place is in isla Mirada, so that wasn't far from where my parents worked like my parents worked at that coral shores high school in tavernier and so there are a lot of familiar places it's, there. it's, it's not raining all the time it's always pouring well i mean it, it's florida it rains every day certain part time of the year so but like it's like aggressive pouring rain yeah yeah but we're used to that yeah because so. there's so many scenes on that show where it was just like I thought you lived on oh, a yeah. beautiful island. It's always raining and no, they na- they nail the weather. Yeah, so, but it only rains for an hour and then it's done. And, and then it's, it's back done. to being beautiful. Um, my number three, speaking of that, is Florida. Uh, there are two um, states in America that have elite level beaches, mm-hmm. and that is Florida and California. When I'm and talking Florida, well, you can actually go in the water and not freeze. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I've been in the water in California too and not free frozen, but, uh, it does get cooler. I would say, can you go in the water? How much? Here's the drawback of Florida. And I'm going to just bring it to you right now to your face. You're, I know you love Florida. Mm -hmm. It has the worst weather weather in the summer of any place in America. Mm -hmm. I would take a winter in Wisconsin over a summer in Florida. Well, that's, that's what we do to keep most people out. Like, yeah, you don't want me there because if the weather were better, there'd be more people and we don't want more people. Britt and I went to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we stayed at the uh, one of the beachfront hotels in Fort Lauderdale for my birthday. I didn't. It was the W, though. I should have. Um, and I remember I walked outside, and it was 8 p.m. It was it was dark, and I felt like somebody sprayed me with a hose. Like, it was so – it felt like I was walking in a sauna. And, like, it's nice when you're in the pool and Florida, you know. But that aside – Still has uh, beautiful See, beaches, and and we'll get to this. We'll get to this in a little bit. But for me, if it's July and I'm in an air conditioned building for too long and I get a little chilly, walking outside and feeling that wave of wet heat hit you is the greatest feeling in the world. Oh, You're just man. like ah, yeah. And I don't know what it's like in. I haven't spent much time in your neck of the woods. Most of my time in Florida has been in 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 uh, South Florida and Boca and Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And I spent some time in Jacksonville, but like um, it's beautiful there. They've got amazing resorts. It's legit beaches. People should vacation there. Like, I, I don't know. 
I'm not saying that other beaches like in Oregon. You ain't built to live here. Don't worry. You, you ain't built. Are you for trying it. to like come down on me because? No, no, no. You're just I don't not. love your state as much as you. No, you're just not built for it. It made my list. Not built for it. But what I'm saying uh, is, is the beaches in Oregon, in Washington, and Virginia, and all the northern states on the East Coast, they're you know they're the beach. It's pretty, but you don't have that tropical, right? Beautiful right. blue water beaches that you get. Yeah, because you're uh, not in those two states that close to the Caribbean. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Florida to me is just you know a, a beautiful vacation spot, and they have All Wawa right. there now too. We do have a lot of Wawas here. Number three for me, your state where you currently reside. Texas, Interesting for the barbecue alone. <laughs> not well, not just for the barbecue, but you get a lot in Texas. Like there is a lot. It has a lot of different flavors. Like if you still want to live in the South, you can live in East Texas. Uh, Houston is a is a giant cultural melting pot. You have coastal areas. You can live in the hill country if you want pretty views. Like there, there's a lot of ways to go in Texas, and I feel like that that is pretty important. Like having some variety, but also no state income tax. Yeah, Texas is a good place to live. It's the number one fast food state in America. I'll give you that. Because <laughs> they've got the fast they've got, food part of it is is that important to me? I, I'm just telling you, it is. I've got yeah. everything. They've got every single restaurant that you could imagine. Uh, you know, and I've only been here for a few years, but to me, the hardest part about Texas is that there's nothing aesthetically pleasing about it. Like Dallas is a pretty city because there's some nice architecture, but like it's flat. Have you been to the Hill Country? <laughs> I mean, there are some places in Austin, it's right? Gorgeous. Like, the Hill Country is gorgeous. What, like down in the Austin area? It's past Austin. It, like the real Hill Country is out past San Antonio. Yeah, it's, and like so, I, it's like I know too. It's like El Paso and Dallas are two different planets, and they're yeah. in the same state. It's the only state I think you can drive eight hours in and not leave the yeah, state. Galveston, Corpus Christi, all that is it's yeah. all in this state, and it's all different. Yeah, but like living here in Dallas, it's like to me, it's like I don't have any sort of relationship with Galveston or Corpus Christi. I think for me to get to Corpus Christi it would take me seven hours. Yeah. And it's like that. So like it's if I state. so if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick a place to live, I'm gonna pick up like if seven hours from you could drive to Vegas and LA in the same trip in seven hours from Scottsdale. So that's like true. that's just like I don't have any relationship to those places. And San Diego State uh, San Diego uh from from Phoenix. That's why Arizona was on my list, not to mention it was beautiful itself. But I've got a state that I don't think you're gonna think that I had on here All really right, high two. up. Number two, North Carolina. Number two, North Carolina is basically number six on my list. And, and it's a place realistically, if my wife said we need to move, we need to go somewhere. I would probably suggest the research triangle is one of our three finalists. Listen, they've got mountains. Mm -hmm. They got beaches. They've got beaches. Mm -hmm. Raleigh Durham is one of the best cities. I think the food is great. The people are great. It's a, it's a, it's one of the most aesthetically beautiful states in America. It and is. I don't feel I think it's like my number one. Everyone knows what my number one is going to be. Yeah. I'm not spoiling anything here. Right. North but Carolina it's... doesn't get the credit it deserves for the pure beauty that it has. Like the Smoky Mountains. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a diverse place. Yeah. Um, and like I feel like living there. If you lived in Raleigh, Durham, you'd have access to yeah. a lot of amazing things. Ma Matthew C. The Research lakes. Triangle over Asheville. Yes. I, I like research triangle over hippies yes i i can buy craft beer in raleigh yeah it's, but al cool. also too Asheville's not that far away from raleigh is it right um yeah. i feel like you you could have anything you wanted if you lived in raleigh durham 
um, that you like the lakes there are insanely pretty too. And they've mm-hmm. got they've got mountain towns, they've got beach towns. Great state. I love going there. And uh, you've got city, you've got small town, you've got beach, you got mountain. I mean, what what, what could well, be better I, than that? I'm glad you mentioned that because my number two is also a Carolina, South Carolina, my my original home state. Okay. And you know, beaches all the whole you know whole coast. You could you got your dirty Myrtle, you got your Hilton Head, you got everything in between. You got Charleston, you got Greenville. Which is a I've different. never spent any time Labor. in South Carolina, really. I've like I've been to a few places, um, but I've never been to Hilton Head or Myrtle Beach for long periods of time. Like, can the beaches there stack up with the beaches in Florida from an aesthetically beautiful standpoint? Like, is it blue water, uh, tan, they're, they're, they're very similar to East Coast beaches in Florida. Not nothing stacks up to the Gulf Coast beaches in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's now it, very similar to like Daytona Beach or New Smyrna Beach. Okay, so that's that's the difference. I mean, uh, the Gulf Coast Florida beaches are a completely different animal. So, but but South Carolina, I, and here's my my thing. And I know there's a lot of people who grew up where I did or live where I live that feel this way. I don't want to be cold. I realize I had Utah on my list. I could, I think I could live with it. I think I could learn to live with it, but I don't know if I actually could. I feel like Utah's either insanely cold or insanely hot. They don't get, they've they got a pretty fall there. Like South Carolina and Florida get, Utah gets hot. hot as hell. Yeah. I've not been there. As hot, not as hot as, as Columbia, South Carolina in July. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, but I just, it, it's weird because, and I, I think, for the same reason that I can't imagine living in Michigan and there are people who grew up in Michigan that can't imagine living in Florida or South Carolina, like it's where I'm from. So it's what I'm used to. And that's, what's comfortable to me. And so like, I can't imagine living in your climate, just like you can't imagine living in my climate. Yeah. Number one is the only answer that it could be. I mean, it's just like San Diego and, and, Orange County and Manhattan Beach, all the way up to San Francisco. You got Lake Tahoe. You've got mountains. You've got now, beach. I might, I might want to go. Not on I your list. Go Monterey, Monterey, I might be able to do. But yeah, it's like you think. If you think that L.A. is too crowded, I understand that. But there are 19 beach towns between L.A. and San Diego that you could live in that aren't as crowded. And like the fact that it's not on your list is insulting. Then, then my work here is done. Yeah, um, I, I have succeeded. And also, you're like four hours away from Vegas. You know, it just mm-hmm. my life goal is to live there at least half the year at one point. You, you could life. live there now. Yeah, well, you know, there's other people that I've got to consider, too. So that's a thing, too. It's just like I. When I was on the Ohio State beat, all I wanted to do was get a job. And like I applied like four times to like the Orange County register and different places just to be the USC beat writer. I basically wanted to be what Antonio Morales is for us. And then the second I got put in this position where I could live anywhere in the country, I met Britt and she had to be in Dallas. Yeah. So like I would have lived in Phoenix. She she has a job that may or may not tie her that to, to long term, maybe not, but right now a large portion of the, of the, of the places that she has a job that can be done anywhere. And in fact, the bigger the city, the better. So a place California would work for her, but also, yes, we want to maintain all the the problem is, is that like, if we could technically move to California tomorrow and make it work, 
but we would not be able to enjoy the lifestyle that we have right now if we move. Which there. you have become accustomed. Yes, I got. So you. like it's like we could go live in a you know eleven hundred square foot shack somewhere inland. Yeah, I didn't really I. Because I was considering, like, you can live in the best of the best of, of all these places. Yeah, that's what I was considering. But, but North, like, your number two, North Carolina, my number two, South Carolina, my number one, are places you can live Reasonable. pretty well yeah. for regardless of your income. So, yeah. You know, all right. So, we know what my number one is. It is the place where I currently live. It is Florida. And it is the greatest state in the world. It is the weirdest state in the world. Everything here can kill you. Everybody here probably can kill you, but it's tremendous. It's the you state have, form of grab ass. Exactly. <laughs> you have you have the South. If you want to be in the South, you can be up in the Panhandle. Uh, you can be at a beautiful beach and still be in the South. That's if you're you know off 30A, Destin, Panama City. You can also be on a beautiful beach and be in essentially South Boston or. South or Chicago. Well, it'd be the north side of Chicago, probably those people coming. But because of the transplants. So if you live down Fort Myers, Naples, then you're living with a lot of either Midwesterners or Northeasterners who've moved down that way. But you have gorgeous beaches everywhere. Uh, you can be in Miami, one of the most vibrant cities in the world. Beautiful beaches, beautiful scenery, beautiful everything. You can you can go up to Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, and then the you know that the crowds start to thin out as you head north, but you're still on the beach. You know you can be in Brevard County, which is you know about Melbourne, Titusville, Cocoa Beach, those places, and you've got all of that, and it's a it's a very different world than 150 miles south or 100 miles north, and so I just I, I it's a lot of everything, like for the similar reason why you like California, where you can get whatever flavor you want out of the state. Now you mentioned the weather. Summer sucks. I'm not going to lie, but again, I just feel like it keeps a lot of the people that we wouldn't want here away. Oh yeah. All the people that, that you want to keep out of Florida. Like it isn't a complete cluster of, of, of madness at all Listen, times. You just like, got to learn. Florida would be worse off if I lived there. But the guy who like let a croc crocodile loose through a Wendy's drive-through window is fine. It was only a three-footer, and it was an alligator. <laughs> There's a big difference between an alligator and a crocodile. The things crocodile that happen in Florida, nature. though, are more outrageous than the things that happen anywhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. Andrew Cooper, the only issue with Florida is no hiking. Go running, Andrew. Well, the thing that's funny about Run, Florida don't is walk. that like all those places that you just mentioned are different. But it's like in California, you can be in the in the middle of the desert in mm -hmm. Palm Springs. You can be on the coast. You can be mm -hmm. in Lake Tahoe. You can be in the mountains. You can be in a big city in San Francisco. Like it's all very different. Mm -hmm. And like the thing was like, if you could only be in one state and never leave it, I think you'd pick Florida too. Uh, Ari, I, I don't think you've ever been to Sop Choppy. It's in the even, same state as Miami. Yeah. I, I don't think you're getting what I'm saying here. I'm talking about like topography and scenery. And it's like, you know, being... In Lake Tahoe feels yeah, like you're a saying you want some mountains. I got you. There's no mountains in Florida. I have mountains in Utah. There's my number five. I can't believe the lack of mountains on your entire list, to be honest. I've never lived have... around mountains. Mountains are something I vacation in. Yeah. Well, like the idea of living around mountains is strange to me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up I've, near mountains, so I've, 
Now, the, that's not true. I'd lived in Knoxville for two years. So the Great Smoky Mountains are right there. Beautiful views. Beautiful. I just like how you can be in Malibu and get mountain views and ocean views at the same table. Mm-hmm. Courtney Love wrote a great song about it. <laughs> Florida has, yeah, they also have those uh, water moccasins. What did you call those? Cottonmouths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Okay, well, hey, you know what? <laughs> I respect that Florida's your number one. And you know what I, I love for you, Andy, is that you get to live there. That's you exactly to, right. You get to live in the place that's number one for you. What I don't respect is your complete and utter disregard for California. And I find it personally. Love California. Offensive. It's a great place to visit. I love New York. It's a great place to visit. I just don't want to live there. I find it offensive that you didn't put it on your list. Yeah, I, I left it off the list because you find it offensive. Who wouldn't who wouldn't want to live in San Diego, Ari? Come on. It's that should, place yeah. is amazing. So it's number five on your list, at least. Maybe, maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you're living the dream today. We got a big week for you. We're, 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 we're only getting started. So we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you.